All right. So I want to continue, and I want to look at an aspect of this. On, uh, uh, we've been speaking on the subject of the tabernacle of David. Now, we'll start with 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. All right. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. So here it says, we thank God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ, or always, so at every single time, he causes us to triumph, and then maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. So we have always, and then we have in every place. Now, what does it mean by triumph? The word triumph does not really mean to engage in a physical combat with the intent of, you know, overpowering the opposition. But what it talks about is the celebration of a victory. So what it says here is that it causes us to have a victorious parade, right? In other words, the victory has been won by somebody else or other people. This word came from an old word that they used to use in military terms, and they still use it in football today. That is, when you win a victory and you come back to the city, you take the head of the king of the city or nation you conquered, and bring his head to the, to the market square, and you have what is called a triumph, which is a celebration, the trophy, all right, the celebration of your victory. So all the city will gather together to celebrate the victory and enjoy that particular moment because they are all partners in the victory all right, that the military won on behalf of that city. So if you say Rome conquered um, somewhere, right, then you are, it's everybody that is in Rome but represented by the group of soldiers. So what he's saying here is that we are celebrating a particular victory here, and it's a victory of Christ, all right? Now, I don't mean to cause offense, but I have to say what concerns me, all right? So, I mean, I had a triumph here about the victory of Liverpool when we won the Champions League. And don't murmur, we're not doing badly now. So, so it's not like we are talking about Ichabod past glory. I mean, we are still, we are still doing well, all right? Even though we are silent. And this season we shall be silent, all right? But I was not in Madrid where they played. I didn't kick a ball. They don't know me. Uh, all right? They've never heard of me. But I had a triumph, a celebration here. In other words, enjoyed. You might even have been happier than the players. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's not my victory. But people were calling me. 
People were screaming that day. Now, in fact, the reason why I knew we had won was I couldn't take it, so I switched off the TV. And then a staff of mine, I saw miss call, miss call, and I knew it must have been around 89 minutes, so apparently we scored. So as I picked the call, she was just screaming, Pastor, you won! I wasn't there. I was in my house preparing for service the next morning, but it was, I won. So you are not on the cross, but you are called now screaming, you have won. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you following what I'm saying? You are not there. You don't know where Jesus died. You don't know where he died. Even when you go to Jerusalem, it's where they showed you. You are not sure, all right? All right? You don't know where he died, all right? But you are a direct beneficiary of that. And it says the way to victory is not to try to get your own, but to celebrate his own in the face of whatever. And it says the way and manner in which is going to, the, the victory that you are celebrating and rejoicing in, the way it's going to connect with your own life now is that he will make manifest the server of the knowledge, all right, of his knowledge by us in every place. Uh, Savor that means fragrant. If you put up the passion translation, all right, and passion is a new transition and it's very powerful, so if you can get the Bible. It says, God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. So what's this fragrance of the knowledge of God? In other words, you are celebrating, let's assume, you are facing, let's say, a financial situation, and you are celebrating the victory of Jesus Christ over that situation, that he has been tempted in every way as you are, and he says, in this world you shall have tribulation, be of good cheer, have overcome them. So you are celebrating the fact that he has overcome that financial challenge for you, but in order for his grace to be visible, in order for, all right, there you to have a manifestation, God now says, I'm going to, Jesus gives you the knowledge of what to do. And so as you celebrate his victory, you connect with him, and then he passes across to you the knowledge of what you should do in that situation so that that victory that is in the realm of the spirit will be manifest or seen clearly in your life. And when you take that step and the victory comes, there is a fragrance that comes out of your life. There is a sweet-smelling odor that comes out, all right, of your life. Uh, you, you, somebody, had, his business had collapsed, people had written him off, all right, in six months he bounces back. There's just something that comes out of his life. Uh, people use him as an example. People talk about him, uh, all right? When people are discouraged, they, they you encourage them by saying, don't you know about this person who five years ago was down and out? See where he is, which means there's a fragrance. There is something, all right, that is coming out of the life of that person there. And it came as a result of the knowledge that Christ gave him in that situation on what to do. And then when he carried it out, there was a complete turnaround. So we tell the story of Job now. All right, and there's a sweet-smelling server that comes out of the life of Job. It tastes nice. We preach about him. 
you'll say, well, look at what Job went through, look at how he came out of the situation and all of that. But there was knowledge that God gave to Job. And when Job prayed for his friends, very simple step, his captivity was turned around. So the example I constantly give is like you driving your car. Let's say, unfortunately, uh, the car breaks down in the center of the road. And then you call your mechanic or call somebody to come and help you. And they do several things. Uh, they use a lot of their energy. Uh, they say, this is wrong with the car. This is wrong. You try several things, spend money. It's still not working. And then, just to make this, all right, Claire, a lady is driving past and parks, and she doesn't look like she has ever touched an engine the way she's dressed. And she comes in her six-inch high heel, and you look at her and say, so what's the problem? How can I help? And you say, you? You want to help me with this? And says, open the bonnet. And you open the bonnet, and you're looking at her. And says, start the car. You start it, and says, oh, there's the problem. And says, just a wire that came out here. She puts it, tightens the bolt, all right? And then says, start it now. You start the car, boom, and everything is fine. And then you look at her, and your perspective of her completely changes. There is something that has come out of her that is a fragrance that has come as a result of the knowledge that she has. And, you know, you now start, you, you're drawn to that. That how do you know about this? And all of this, and she begins to tell you a story and says, well, my father, you know, used to do all that, but I, there's a way and manner in which I study things. Now, it's likely that in future, if you are in the same space with her and a decision is about to be made and she makes her contribution, that you probably, if you don't know what to do, you probably are going to go with what she's suggesting because of the fragrance, all right, that has come as a result of a display of knowledge that was rare in a particular situation. And that's how God wants this shift to occur. He said, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Unto them that are without, which is the world, these things that you do are done in parables. So they come and say, how are you getting these results that you're doing? And he says, seeing they will see, but still not see it. They will hear, but not understand it. He says, their hearts will not perceive what is going on. He says, lest at any time, here is the condition, unless they are converted and their sins forgiven. In other words, it will take a conversion for you to be able to enter into the realm that I'm operating in. That is why Nicodemus came by night to Jesus and said, Rabbi, you only call a man Rabbi when you believe he knows what you don't know. And he says, Rabbi, thou art a teacher that has come from God. You have information that nobody else on this earth has. He said, for no man can do these things that you do except God be with him. And then Jesus changed it and said, this is the exception except you get born again, which means it takes a conversion. And I believe this is how God really wants to win the world to Christ, which means they see things in our lives that come as a result of the knowledge that God has given to us in situations, difficult places, and as we practice that knowledge and got unusual results, a fragrance came, a sweet-smelling thing came, and then they looked at it, observed that, and said, I want to have, all right, what you have. So Jesus said, except you are born again, you won't be able to see these things, all right, that I'm seeing. And we have in Luke chapter 5, you can put up verse 4 to 8, we have Simon there, who they are told all night and caught nothing. And then Jesus said, lend me your boat. And then after some time, Jesus said, launch out into the deep and cast your net. All right. Another um, narr narration there in one of the gospels says, cast your net on the right hand side and gave him specific instruction. 
for a drought. And what happened in verse 5 was Simon answering said, Master, that's Jesus, we have struggled and toiled all night, but we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, which is at your instruction, your direction, all right, this knowledge that you are passing across to us, your thoughts concerning this issue you are giving to us, we will let down our net as you have said. And in verse 6, when, this, when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of patients and their nets broke and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other sheep that they should come and help them. And those ones came, filled both ships so that they began to sink, all right? And then he cried out and said, I am a sinner there, fell down and depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And you know, what had happened was the fragrance of the knowledge of God that was in Christ was released into that situation. You toiled all night, spent all that you had, no result. Then somebody shares his ideas with you as to what you ought to do in that particular situation. You had looked at it, your conclusion would have been from your own experience, using your own knowledge, that there must be no fish in this water. And then somebody else shares their thoughts, gives you their knowledge, that's Jesus, and this is what he wants to do in every situation, that is, every situation there, he gives you his own thoughts, and you implement those thoughts there, and then you get great results, all right? But those thoughts can only come to the man that celebrates the victory of Jesus, first of all, that says to himself or herself, all right, I will be of good cheer, for Jesus has overcome this challenge, that there is no challenge that can come into my space and my jurisdiction that I will not be able to conquer. It starts with that attitude, and it's only that attitude that can connect with the mind of God and get his thoughts. Because if you draw the conclusion that there's no water, there's no fish in the water, then you're not even going to pay attention, all right, or even go to God in the first place. But if you understand that this is a challenge and can and must be defeated and the kingdom of God dwells inside me that rules over all, that the solution is going to come from within me and I'm going to conquer this particular thing, then you have the right attitude. I want to look at this, all right, today quickly, all right, concerning dates. So we're talking about, we're talking about the tabernacle, all right, of David, what David erected and where David changed the order of worship in Israel and said, listen, we're focusing on three things that we have found out, David, is what God really wants from humanity, right? There are three things, and the first one that David focused on was offering what is called perfected praise, that Jesus came and said, the Father desires and seeks for worship. He is looking for a true worshiper on the earth, and he will show himself strong in the life of that worshiper. And so David constructed his own tent, and he was focused on offering up unto God, all right, true worship unto him. That's what he was focused, all right, solely upon, right, offering worship. And we see this in Psalm 40 uh, from verse 1. I want to get something today. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And verse 2, he said, he brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the merry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Verse 3, he said, he has put a new song 
in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it. That's the effect of this new song, that when I, when I, when many will see the effect of the song as I sing it, and they shall fear. Fear means there's reverence for God, and shall now decide to trust in the Lord. So they will take the confidence they have placed in people and in things and shift that confidence and say, my confidence is going to be in the Lord. And then verse 4 here, it says, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respected not the proud or such as turn aside to lies. Then it goes in verse 5, Many, O Lord, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word. So what David was saying was that, God, you have several thoughts you want to give to us, and each of those thoughts lead to wonderful works. So you shared your thoughts with Peter when he told all night, and a wonderful work was done in that situation. So there are many thoughts that God has for you, many things he wants to share. In other words, he wants to give you his opinion about the decisions you're making. Uh, you are in a situation, he says, I want to share my own thoughts, all right, concerning that. Come, let us reason together. I will share my thoughts. Any thought I share with you, if you carry out the thought, it will lead to some wonderful work in your life. And it says here, many are thy wonderful works and thy thoughts towards what they cannot be reckoned up in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. So God has several things we want to pour out. Then he goes on and says, sacrifice and offering thou did not desire. Mine ears have thou opened, has thou opened. All right? Which means he was talking about burnt offerings, seed offerings, the animals they were putting down. He said, you've opened my ears to see that even though you instructed Moses concerning the killing of animals, that is really not what you really want. Uh, the blood of bulls and goats cannot, all right, get to where you really want, all right, to be with humanity. He says this, you have not required. And then in verse 7, all right, he goes and says, then lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. So we looked at Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 4 to show where they lifted what David said and expatiated on it. And he says, for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Verse 5, he says, wherefore when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. Then verse 6, he says, in burnt offering and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. All right? David was in trouble and he saw that all these burnt offerings don't what he wants. What God wants is that we render the calves of our lips true praise from our heart. And then in verse 7, he went on. He said, Lo, I said, I come in the volume of the book, it's written of me, O God, to do thy will. Verse 8, it goes on, above when he said, sacrifice and offering, Bond offering and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hath pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then verse 9, Lo, I come to do thy will, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. 
And then it tells us oftentimes we have priests or by the which will we are sanctified through the offering. So this is the offering that God wanted, the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Then verse 11, it says, Every priest standard daily ministering and offering oftentimes same sacrifices that could not take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, sat down at the right hand of God with one expectation, expecting that all his enemies will be made his footstool. So here's what happened with Jesus. He sacrificed himself, put his body on the altar, and said, by reason of what I've done now, I have one expectation. He said, my expectation is that, all right, all of my enemies will be made my footstool. When he says footstool there, he's talking about the body, that he's the head, we are members of the body. He says, I have gotten the victory. Now my expectation after this sacrifice is that every single member of my body will get this same victory that I have. This is my expectation. They will get the same victory. When you are in any situation, Jesus wants to manifest or show through you that he has conquered that situation. We must understand that Jesus died on the earth, they made fun of him, the Jews killed him, and he was raised up from the dead in the invisible realm, and he's seated at the right hand of God. Nobody knows that it happened. The only way he can show that it happened, that he conquered the grave, that he conquered principalities and powers, is that through you that are still visible on the earth, he will demonstrate that he has conquered everything. So we are now the point of contact of Jesus on the earth to show that the victory of Jesus was authentic and to manifest that to everybody. So God says, all right, your body is going to be on the earth. They will go through different tribulation tests and trials. So the idea of saying, because I'm a Christian, I shouldn't go through any test or trial is a fallacy. It's not the gospel of Jesus. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome them. So what he guarantees us is not that a life free of tribulation, but a life that will be victorious in every tribulation and trial that comes your way. So God says, this is what I've guaranteed by the sacrifice of Jesus. Look at what he says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. Want to get that, get that victory? It says... To which of the angels said he at any time, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So after Jesus offered himself, the father looked at it and said, this is enough. This sacrifice will bring about victory in every and any situation. Anybody who puts their faith in the blood of Jesus, no matter what comes their way, they will win that particular battle so long as their faith is not in anybody to help them, it's not anywhere. Their faith is in the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And how do they demonstrate that faith? When they get into those situations, they celebrate the victory of Jesus. They praise me for the fact that my work has conquered this situation. Uh, they, they rejoice, all right, inside that particular sacrifice that I have made. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.